Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each week, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. I'm uh, excited. You know, we had just a slight um, uh, uh, problem um, tonight with a, a little bit of technical, uh, technical difficulty, but I think we've straightened it out, um, and we have someone with us who is uh, the founding partner um, at uh, Thrive People Strategies, uh, a consulting and coaching practice. Um, and we're here, we're going to talk about creating extraordinary uh, work environments and give some advice to some leaders. And so I'm excited and really honored and and uh, fortunate to have with us today uh, Leah Bosch. Welcome, Leah. Thank you, Brian. I am very happy to be here with you and uh, looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, you're, before we we um, got started today, it was uh, really interesting. Um, I you know, I've read some of the work that you've done, and I know you've done a lot of consulting um, around and helping um, organizations um, make their workplaces and their work environments, places where people want to be. And especially in today's times where a lot of people don't want to come back in to office spaces, and but it's for a variety of reasons. And so I want to start by just asking you, what are you, what are you hearing out there? And this goes beyond, you know, there's some, some places where people um, want to, they want to come back and and where you know the owners or the managers are saying you have to come back in um and other places they're giving people options to be uh hybrid and so they come in a few days a week and others are all virtual but either way it goes uh it it's about teams and about having workplaces that are places where people want to be. So I just want to start out by, ask, by asking you, what are you hearing out there in the field about um, work environments? Um, well, the um, I, I think I'm hearing the same things that you've just um, talked about, that some people, most people want to be in environments where they feel energized and welcome, um, part of a team, um, an environment where they feel energized, not a place where they feel depleted. And so when we, if we step back a little bit, you introduced, uh, introduced me and talked about workplaces. When we discuss, when I discuss workplaces, I really mean it broadly, um, more in terms of the kind of climate and culture that you create in your work environment, with, whether it's a physical setting or a remote setting. Um, and so the, the two really still apply depending on, um, it, regardless of where you are, the, the fact is that you need to create a climate or a culture where people 
um, come willingly to work and contribute and feel appreciated, respected, um, feel like they are growing, they are continuing to move forward. And so um, regardless of the location, I hear people sometimes talking about not wanting to work whether they're working remotely or whether they're in in an office environment. Um, For those people who are forced to go into an office, I often hear them talking about how they feel like they haven't been given a choice and that they they may work more effectively in a different location because of the need for quietness, the need for... um, you know, not having to travel to the uh, travel to an office or travel to um, whatever location it is that they're going to. So, I think the bottom line is that um, individuals have an opportunity to work in the best circumstances and best places that they, you know, that they feel would be most productive for them. Um, and when they're complaining, the, the the person complaining, I think, is primarily doing it because they feel they don't have a choice. Um, I think if organizations step back and leaders step back and if they're encouraging people to come back to the office, I think helping people understand the purpose of that. Why is it that mm-hmm. you need to go back to the office? Why is it important mm-hmm. for us as a team to gather and for the leaders to actually examine their assumptions around that. Do we have to be in the office all the time? Or mm-hmm. is our, our need to gather on certain uh, issues, on certain decisions we need to make, or when we need to cooperate or collaborate on issues? So I think there's a give and take, and um, both sides of the table are feeling their way through it. The managers trying uh-huh. to figure out how to make it work, and employees um, trying to hopefully understand the manager's or or the organization's perspective on the need for um, coming back to the office. So uh, I think there's a lot of that, a lot of wrestling that's going on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes a lot of sense. You know, I've, I've heard, so especially with the, you know, coming back, to uh, coming back post-pandemic, there were a lot of people who had fears about um, COVID and COVID infection. And so that's, from what I've seen, that's somewhat subsided. Um, But I have heard about an awakening, if you will, of people talking about, "I'm I'm no longer going to subject myself to uh, these toxic environments or these toxic uh, practices that I once had. You know, um, teachers ha- are, are notorious for what I like to refer to as self-abuse sometimes, um, where they, they don't uh, take care of themselves in, in doing things like going to the restroom, making sure they're drinking water, making sure that they have uh, food, nourishment, sustenance to, to make it through the day. And a lot of times it ends up where they have uh, um, 
health issues as a result of many years of not taking care of themselves in this way. And so there's there are a number of people uh, in education and other fields as well that have done that. Um, but the other part about this um, is that that somewhat amazes me is when leaders themselves are they say that they've been a part of toxic toxic environments, particularly school leaders. And I'm just surprised because for me there's a little there's a lack in some cases of self awareness that while I don't hold them entirely responsible, but partly responsible at least, they're the leaders. And so mm-hmm. if the environment is, is is toxic and as toxic as they say it is, where is the ownership of that and how do they change it? So I guess my mm-hmm. my follow-up after that is, so are, do you see where – also leaders, because I'm seeing all kinds of leaders that are resigning and saying it was toxic, and they were the leaders. Um, are you seeing that as well? Uh, yes, I am, and I am seeing that a lot more with women than men. Mm. Um, mm. And just uh, following up on your comment about the self-care or self-abuse, that is also happening in organizations. And I find that um, the leaders, they're in as much, if not more pressure, under more pressure than the employee in terms of, uh, in, in some organizations, in terms of feeling like they have to be present and they have to be, um, they have to be there on time in ahead of others uh, uh, stay late uh, bring work home you know be the responsible person to you know carry the load and i think um a lot of um managers prior to to covid prior to the pandemic were very stressed about they were carrying a heavy load and um what from some of my coaching clients, what I was hearing was, you know, I can't afford to take some time in the morning to exercise or go on a run, or I have to be in the office by, you know, 7 a.m. because I need to be there to get some work done before the rest of the team gets in. Or uh, there was, you know, there's always an excuse for having to be in the office longer, um, be available all the time, and so the self-care just goes out the window. You talked about not even having time to grab something to eat. A lot of managers eating right at their desk or not are skipping lunch altogether and just going to meetings instead. And so when the pandemic hit and everybody was at home, it was uh, a, in many ways a welcome relief to their routine where they actually did have some time to um, take a break and a breather and they didn't have someone knocking on their door at the office. And so after having experienced that, I think more leaders are saying, you know, the old way is just not worth it anymore. I just can't do this. I've I've realized that Mm -hmm. life is different and that I was able to 
do the work that was necessary and probably performed better and accomplished more. And I'm not prepared to go back to the old, old mm-hmm. ways of doing things. Um, mm-hmm. And so the, the manager is just like the employee experiencing some of the same um, reactions to having to be in an office in a very um, scheduled kind of um, routine rather than having the, the flexibility that's needed to um, be productive when, you know, when they're in, and decide on their own terms when and how things need to be done. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, of course, keeping in mind the, the boundaries of when, um, you know, the overall goals of the organization and when things need to get done and the fact that cooperate with each other, work together, all of those factors are have to be part of the mix, but we need to start treating people as adults um, rather than children. Yeah. I think in some yeah. workplaces they're forced to be, um, you know, they're forced to be children again, being told yes. these are oh, the hours. And absolutely. even though you may not be told, oh yes, you could leave early, people feel guilty about leaving early. They mm-hmm. they're feeling judged. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is still going on in, in organizations. Yes. Yes. So we have these leaders who are and have experienced this, this new awakening or this great awakening to uh, what they've been doing for years. And so they've decided that I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but there, there are pressures that have that resurfaced. Uh, I I have often also talked to coaching clients that I have, and they start to fall back into the same patterns. And I I tell them that I recognize that while we have been asked, and I, I've brought this up before on previous shows where you know, we we have been asked in some cases to be more compassionate, more empathetic, and understanding of people's needs, and at the same time, those uh, goals, those uh, those kind of the, the finish lines, the deadlines, those haven't changed. Those haven't shifted, however. So people haven't figured out how to how to push those back because if we if we are doing things differently, we have to move some of our our deadlines, right? If we if we're saying that time don't go without eating, don't go without uh, taking care of yourself, don't go without taking vacations and doing those things, mm-hmm. but we keep the same we you know we keep these same finish lines. And and so people are feeling those pressures again. So how how do you advise leaders so that they don't fall back into that same cycle, but where they can really develop a new way of being and thinking to the extent that they can? Because sometimes these deadlines and and benchmarks are externally. Place. You know, they are people from the outside say you have to score this, you have to finish by this deadline. And so how, how do they, how, as a leader, 
do they restructure their the environments, regardless of the industry or the work that they're doing? How do they restructure it so that people don't fall back into the same uh, rut? Uh, you are talking about certainly the, the challenge of um, getting back into the rat race. Um, that, that's definitely, I think, something that people have been experiencing as you know, as uh, COVID become less of an issue, um, but you know, still around. Um, I think that. Um, there isn't there there really isn't an easy answer here because when you think about the deadlines and the um you know the deadlines that are set for us there there needs to be some pushback and depending on the level of manager you are if you're an executive i think you have a little bit more opportunity to set set the deadlines. If you're a middle manager who's who's trying to work with um with employees, a group of employees and you know get them on the right track and you have a boss that you're accountable to or or several, then um there's a little bit more um work involved in in being that that boundary spanner, the you know, being able to connect the what I would call the leadership as the executive group, and then the the employees who are working with you. So um, I guess what I what I like to what I like to do or, or think about in these circumstances where people feel like they are constrained by um, deadlines and outcomes, asking themselves why why do we have this deadline and is it realistic and is it possible um, and are there ways that as other uh, ways that we can accomplish it without meeting that deadline or ch- changing the deadline or with meeting that deadline so it's taking it back to to the basics around what assumptions are we making with the deadlines that have been set and are these real concrete deadlines or are there some things that we can work work around? And often the manager tries to take this all on his or her own as I, I need to figure this out rather than going back to a team and saying, okay, here's what we're working with. Here are the deadlines that we've been given and, you know, these are the reasons that we have to meet them or um, if you have determined that, you know, that is a hard deadline. And so then bringing together the team to come up with the strategies or the ways that you're going to accomplish this. How can we, how okay. can we manage to do this together rather than mm-hmm. feeling like you're putting individual pressure on, in, on, on people to have people, to deliver sure. specifics. So how mm-hmm. can you bring in your team to, um, understand why is it that we've got this deadline and number two how can we get creative on what we can do to accomplish it you know what needs to be cut out what can we add how can we do this differently so um my my suggestion is first of all to ask is this really a necessary deadline 
Yeah. Can it be changed? Yeah. And mm-hmm. if not, then why? What is it that makes it so critical? And number two, mm-hmm. how do you engage your folks into the process of figuring out how to make this happen so that mm-hmm. they are um, they have some autonomy on or choice as to um, getting it done willingly. They have also uh, a sense, an understanding of the purpose of it, and um, and can also feel that they've contributed to the success or to the end result. If, you know, as you're managed to to arrive at at the appropriate solution. Yes, you know, I, 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 what you, what you're saying here for me speaks to climate and culture. A lot of the work that I do uh, with organizations is around culture and climate, and and I get the question a lot. So, whose responsibility is it? Because that's that's setting the tone for the work environment. I often say that. As the leader goes, so does the organization, while mm-hmm. also recognizing, though, that it's not the leader alone, um, that there has to be buy-in and there has to be intentional, deliberate uh, steps that are taken to make the climate and culture what you want it to be. So I, I would love to hear from you speak to that about who – Whose responsibility is it a collective responsibility? But how do you how do you advise people to start that? Because I think what you were just saying speaks right to what some of us refer to as setting the tone, uh, mm-hmm. uh, setting expectations, making people understand this is what we do here, this is how we behave here. Uh, how how do how right. do leaders initiate that? Um, For me, leaders initiate that by being, by doing certain things, by being a certain way. Um, You might be in an organization that isn't quite supportive of collaboration, but as a leader, if you truly believe in that, you don't have to um, you don't have to listen to what the larger organization says about collaboration. As a leader, you can you can put in place within your team an opportunity for collaboration. You can create you know um, ad hoc meetings where you ask two or three people to come in and talk about a particular issue that has come up. Um, or where you ask for some advice, or where you put two folks together to, um, you know, discuss or do a point counterpoint on an issue. So there are things that I think culture you, you can't expect. Um, you can't expect a senior leadership team to just espouse the culture. Espousing is one thing, but doing it is is another. So I think individual leaders have a responsibility mm-hmm. and um, an opportunity. I think that's where it is. Managers really matter. They make the difference mm-hmm. to each mm-hmm. and every employee out there. And so 
each manager is responsible for setting the tone, as you say, and they can do mm-hmm. that by by creating relationships with the people that they have on their team and with their colleagues mm-hmm. and their and their bosses, being consistent in the way that they that they uh, deal with these relationships. So, ensuring mm-hmm. that they're respectful. Um, including people in decisions, including people in the information, ensuring they've got the resources they need, checking up on folks. You know, how are you doing? What do you need? How can I help you? Those kinds of things make a huge difference to to how an employee um, sees the relationship with the with their manager and how supported that they feel. And so um, I, I really do believe that each and every manager has a responsibility to uh, to do things to enable that ideal culture to actually happen in the organization. Um, and, of course, executives are also managers. So we're all responsible for ensuring that we're acting in a way that is aligned with the kind of values and the kind of culture that we say that we want to have and that we say mm-hmm. is um, supportive not only of creating high performance in the company but also supporting the well-being of employees. And to me, mm-hmm. that's that's a key to an extraordinary workplace where you're tying in mm-hmm. high performance with um, and achieving that through caring for the well-being of employees because you can't achieve, people can only achieve so much until they break down. You can't keep asking people to perform highly if they're not taking care of themselves. You you can't have a manager or an employee work every night late and on weekends without Mm -hmm. having some repercussions on their health, uh, Mm -hmm. their mental or physical health. So, Understanding that well-being is a foundation to creating high performance because employees have the energy and the desire to um, to do more and be more effective when they're physically and mentally well. That that mm-hmm. to me is the kind of foundation and the kind of culture that you're trying to create. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you, I know we're we're just about out of time, but I know you spoke about teams, leadership teams, uh, which suggests that mm-hmm. there are um, multiple heads involved in the plan, which probably makes it a, a little more difficult at times to, you know, get on one, one path and this is how, this is how we should do it. Uh, in your experience, I know that there's so many different configurations uh, mm-hmm. But where for leadership, uh, where a large number of of organizations now are taking the team leadership approach as a part of their organizational structure, Does, and then you can still have a person who might be the CEO or the executive director or what have you, but you still have a, a team making decisions. Have you seen that uh, to work in a way that is it, that it seems more effective, more sustainable? What would you say 
to the client that comes mm-hmm. in, how should we organize organize our leadership structure? What, what's your what's your recommendation generally? Um, I've I've got a bias towards leadership teams, and um, mm-hmm. because I've seen it work time and time again, and mm-hmm. I, I my um, my preference and and um, you know which again is based on having seen it work successfully is bringing together the key leaders of a team or of an organization and having them work together through um, through developing the organizational vision and values and the strategy, working through together on an ongoing basis what what's going on within the organization. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically, I, I'm you know I'd love to I'd love to talk about my experience on the executive team for an oil and gas exploration company, and um, that particular team was made up of um, ten of us, I guess. And uh, for each of the folks represented various areas, and so we worked together almost daily, although, well, I guess it wouldn't be daily, but um, on a very regular basis, we were meeting and uh, addressing issues that were specific to the organization. We weren't, um, we each had our areas of responsibility, but we also understood that we needed each other to, to get things done and to achieve the kind of goals and outcomes that we had established for ourselves. The the key parts, the key aspects of uh, its success, I think, was that we respected each other, that we, through the process of trying to develop the strategy for the organization, uh, figuring out how we're going to do what, how we're going to organize ourselves, et cetera, et cetera, we developed trust, we developed respect for each other, um, we relied on each other, and when we disagreed, we were able to bring forward those differences of opinion and work them through. And so um, the value of creating that kind of a team where you've got, you've got diversity, you've got uh, people who feel comfortable and included when, um, when working on issues is invaluable to the to, to the success of any organization. So my, as I said, my bias is to include more and have more diverse teams, multidiscipline teams working together as leaders, even or just as dis- multidiscipline teams, um, than um, having an individual leader who is, um, who is um, you know, designing the strategy and telling people what to do. So I come from a very participative, collaborative kind of stance that um, more ideas, more heads are better than just one. Uh, And through that process, you're engaging people, you're helping them sort of understand the, the purpose of the organization, you're helping them understand how they add value, um, why things, um, can be more effective with their participation 
and um, helping them identify with the organization, identify with the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I'll add one one piece to it is that having leaders on the team that are also well-trained and uh, aligned to the values of of the organization, very important, very important. Well, you know, mm-hmm. Leah, I, I really, I, we could go on and on. I, I appreciate it. I know your work is in organizational development. You have written a number of articles for some some of my favorite uh, places to read about uh, leadership and organizational development, like Fast Company uh, and uh, Good Leadership. Um, but uh, tell us, do you have uh, any social media handles? I'm sure some people out there listening that are going to want to uh, follow you, read some of the things that you, you're working on. I know that uh, you you wrote an article recently on three ways to get the best uh the best from your employees and uh, these are these are are issues that people uh grapple with on a daily basis uh trying to provide mm-hmm. good leadership and you've uh written some great short reads and great articles on these uh you want to uh tell people how they can follow you uh where they can find you books articles uh emails any kind of handles you might have on social media would be great sure that's that would be wonderful um they can find me on linkedin as leah bosch um, and I think most of the articles um, are linked on there as well. And the alternative uh, handle is our website at thriveh2h.com. So that's thrive and h, the number two, and h.com. And that stands for Thrive Human to Human uh, is my um, reason for that short form for the website. And again, on the website, um, they can contact me send me um, an email. Um, they could also email me at thriveh2h at gmail.com. And I'd awesome. love to hear from, from anyone who would like to uh, continue this discussion. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Again, thanks for joining us. And I'll be looking out for more of your your. Uh, advice um, in uh, Fast Company and other places, and I'm uh, just looking forward to seeing your work. Uh, and so until next time, go well, stay well. Thank you. Thank you very much. You too.